0: And welcome, my friends. This is the Rise to Top, the number one show for mediapreneurs. I'm David Siteman Garland, and all about helping you build that kick butt platform, growing your online audience like weed, making that bling bling, and doing it all the right way. And boy, do I have someone that is doing it the right way today. Joined by Dan Andrews, he is the creator of the Lifestyle Business Podcast, which has well over a million downloads. It's got 200 plus five star reviews on iTunes, and not only that. He has leveraged that into an incredible business as well. I mean, making, you know, real money here. And Dan is a great guy. And first of all, I'm telling you right now, because I'm shooting this intro after I did this interview with Dan, this is one of my absolute favorite conversations of all time on The Rise to the Top because his philosophies are so, so awesome and very different from that kind of like traditional, kind of sketchy guru internet marketing garbage that I don't like and I know you don't like. So I'm telling you right now you're going to love this. This is well worth your time invested to listen to here with Dan Andrews on the Rise Top. That conversation is coming up right now. We're going to talk about how he got his podcast, you know, from zero to over a million downloads and how he turned it into a business and a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. Not only strategy, we're talking tactics, we're talking everything. Uh, a lot of fun here coming up or on the show. Uh, and something I do talk about in this interview and I, I, at the end as well um, is that if you are interested in creating your own online course. And this my new course is coming out and I've got some free training for you called Create Awesome Online Courses. And you know, this is one of the top ways to monetize. If you're a mediapreneur and you've got a, blo- a blog and a podcast and a web show or video, whatever you're doing online and you're building your platform and you have that audience and you're like, "God, I need I need to have a very strong, you know, monetization strategy." Online courses are what many of the top people are doing, and I teach you how to do it step by step using the same strategies that I use to generate six figures from create awesome interviews. My online course, so check it out: slash courses Just enter your email, get some free training, and then an opportunity to join the program. And also, I want to give a shout to Go To Meeting, our sponsor for today's episode. Uh, you know, they've been with me for such a long time now. Been with you guys. I know we got. Many of you are customers of GoToMeeting, thanks to The Rise the Top. And, you know, really, it's just because it makes it so easy to meet online. I mean, that's that's really, I mean, end of the day, it's the easiest way to do online meetings. You can do them face-to-face. You could show slides. You could show computer. You know, I do it all the time with, you know, my team. And when I'm working with software, whatever I'm doing, we use GoToMeeting. Check it out, 45-day free trial, com slash GoToMeeting. So that's therisestop.com slash GoToMeeting. And now here's today's episode. All right, my friends, so I'm joined today, this is cool, I always like when I have a guest on the show where it's my absolute first conversation with them ever of all time, even though we've been connected on social media probably for years. Dan Andrews, welcome to the show my man. Cheers man, it's been a a one-sided conversation because I I
1: still remember your episode with Steve Cam like hit me in such a big way, so thank you uh, for what you're doing, I still remember like the day I listened to that. It It was really motivating to me, just something about the what the story the way in which you drew it out of him, uh, meant a lot to me. And I, I, I came home. I think I like I couldn't even finish the episode because I had to do stuff. So, Dude, I uh, love
0: to hear that. That is, like, that is like that's like the best compliment that I did pay Dan uh, twenty five dollars to open the show by complimenting me. So yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, Dan. Uh, so first of all, you know, before we get into a little bit about you know your story and kind of who you are and what you are, uh, what you do. You're coming at us from an exotic location. I always appreciate these kind of questions because it's so cool when you don't, it doesn't matter and you can work from anywhere, which I love about our industry collectively here. So where are you coming at us from? Uh, I'm in uh, Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, so in the south of Vietnam. Okay, cool. I always like this. I feel like we're going to do an interview from like every country at some point. So th- this is <laughs> this is awesome to hear. So in a nutshell, what you do, and I'm just reading right here, and then I want you to kind of give us the, the nuts and bolts of it a little bit more. Um, but you build businesses that allow you to live anywhere, and right. you write and podcast to help others do the same, and a couple key uh, website addresses I want to give out to people. So if you're at your computer right now, you know, bring up Dan's website so you can look at it. You know, kind of get some context. Uh, one is tropicalmba.com, which by the way is an absolutely epic name. So full credit for you. <laughs> and the other one is uh, you know your big podcast, the Lifestyle Business Podcast, which you can get at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Which has had, what, since over 1 million downloads since 2009 and 200 plus five star reviews. It's an incredible show. So, Dan, give us kind of the Cliffs Notes version of you, though, um, because, you know, we're going to really get into when you kind of became a mediapreneur, you know, and started doing these podcasts and online businesses and stuff like that. But tell us a little bit about kind of where you were at before that.
1: Well, I didn't start that way. I started with hard goods. And actually, I still do own and, and, and run on a day-to-day basis a hard goods company. So mediapreneurship is, is an exciting new thing for me. But back in 2007, uh, I caught wind of this whole movement of location-independent entrepreneurship through the blogosphere, through 4-Hour Workweek, stuff like that. And it was like the moment I, someone was like, yo, it's possible to live anywhere and to make money, it was like the I couldn't get it out of my head. I was like, I need that. You know, sure. and the blog—the blog is the fear changed everything because you could actually see real life examples of people doing it. And I was like, you know what? If if that guy, if that girl can do it, maybe I I can do it too. So uh, that's what I started. I started a cat furniture company. Um, we do all kinds did of you say weird cat little furniture. That's right, man. We do weird stuff. So basically, Love what it. we did back in the day was I I was working for a manufacturing company. And I started to learn about all this internet marketing stuff through the blogosphere and I was like, you know what, if we combined our manufacturing and found these underserved niches, we could maybe do drop shipping or maybe we could uh, you know, make our own products. And so we started with key boxes, cat furniture, now we do portable bars, so your audience can check out the portablebarcompany.com and a bunch of other stuff we've basically failed at. Um, over the course of many years, but that's really how I got started, was finding these underserved niches and delivering uh, products to them.
0: Okay, very cool. Now, see, what's interesting about this is where, you know, here on the Rise to the Top is that, you know, we could go in many different directions here in this conversation, you know what I mean? Like, we could talk about how you've built up those companies, all those different things, but, you know, what I, I would love to find out about, and I know our audience would as well because of this kind of community of mediapreneurs here, is how you sort of, you know, may or Well, I don't want to say made the transition because you still have these other companies, right? Um, But decided to, besides doing stuff, as in, you know, creating these companies, that you were going to start, you know, a show and a platform and, you know, also kind of another business. All associated around kind of sharing these things and these insights and helping people do the same. Where did that idea come from? Did it start with the lifestyle business podcast? Like when did you go from kind of guy doing stuff behind the scenes to saying, okay, you know what, I want to create my own kind of platform and get that going online?
1: So, I had this job I was commuting two hours a day to, and I was listening to podcasts like a madman. And it, it, were, those were the things that really educated me and sort of molded my mindset over the course of many months sitting on I 5 in, in, in San Diego. And uh, it was this show called Internet Business Mastery in particular that really resonated with me. Cool. And it was a certain point when we started to see a little bit of success with our own business that I was like, you know what? I'm just a microphone away from doing what these guys are doing and maybe having a similar kind of impact. And I've got a much different message because I do hard goods and e-commerce, and no one's really talking about that. So that was sort of the inspiration, but also, you know, you've just seen it pop up everywhere. There was this woman named Kate from moderncat.net. When I started my cat yeah. furniture company, she started a cat furniture blog, right? Uh, I Love can, it. Just I, goes
0: to show you every niche, my friend.
1: You know? Yeah, and let's get to the punchline, right? Who's the smarter one? Who's doing better in the cat furniture niche now? 25,000 subscribers later, I should have started a cat furniture blog, not a cat furniture company.
0: <laughs> oh, that's 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 interesting. So, you you come up with this idea. Now, here's what I'm curious about a couple things from the foundational level here, right? Before we kind of get into the details is when just kind of some quick questions. When when you started it, when um, you know, lifestyle business podcasts, um, did did you kind of have an idea of saying, "Okay, we just want to do this for fun? Was it a case of like, you know what, I think there's a business model that we can leverage the podcast to create? Or what was sort of that kind of initial thought?
1: I think to me, it was like, I wanted to be a part of the party. Like, okay. I'm a big fan yeah. of radio content and podcast content, and I just thought, you know, I, I can't bear to be on this side of the fence much longer. I got, I got to get involved in some way or another, and, you know, if I could do it all over again, I'd probably choose a different name, and I'd do it much differently, but I was just like, you know what, I'm going to start sharing the things that I'm learning um, out there with everybody else, and I really do believe that, uh, you know, I'm tr- constantly trying to inspire more people to do it because I get so much inspiration and so much knowledge from hearing my peers and what they're doing, because it's not what you read in some book five years mm-hmm. ago. It's, it's what's happening right now. And uh, what we found is like the, the, the net benefits outside of business have been incredible. Had we never made a dime from the podcast, which we never really intended to at the beginning, um, it would all be worth it from the advice, the friendships, the contacts, and the fun. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, great it's all side.
0: Uh, no, great point. I mean, you know, and, and by the way, let me ask you that real, real lightning quick. Why would, you ch- why would you change the name of it? it's too broad. Okay.
1: It's too broad and it's a bit cheesy. It's a bit faddish. I mean I'm I'm not I'm not really happy
0: being the lifestyle guy.
1: Okay. At this, interesting. At this point.
0: <laughs> no, but but I, but I think it's a good question because I think I've heard people say things like that before like oh I do it a little differently it's always sometimes interesting to hear that, you well, know what I mean? let me let
1: me let me let me work in a. If, so I had the luxury of going with a really broad brand at the beginning because I had a, a a company. I had a day job, so to speak. I could I could cash flow the thing. If you're just starting a new media company out of the gate, you cannot afford a broad brand. Um, you're you're much oh, better. Like, look at the AdSense flippers. You know, right now they've just made a transition. You definitely have, have them on the show. The the. They're, what is it?
0: What is it that AdSense flippers?
1: The AdSense now they're okay. the EmpireFlippers.com, oh. and to me they're the quintessential blog-based business. Absolutely beautiful content marketing, and they started with AdSense flipping, not okay. Empire flipping. Okay. And most people start with the Empire, the broader brand. Your customer acquisition costs will be higher. Each subscriber will cost you more yep. dollars because you're less focused. So you know, if I would have started out, maybe I would have been Digital Nomad Podcast or the location-independent e-commerce professional podcast or something <laughs> right, like
0: that. Right. No, and I understand your point. It's funny because I, you know, as you know, um, I advise a lot of folks that are, you know, in the space or getting started or are struggling or, you know, or, yep. or are successful. And it's funny because that is one of the biggest things that I preach that I also did not do. Do yes. you know what I mean? Like meaning when I started, I was extremely broad, even broader than you. I made you look narrow. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, when, I, when I started, it was all about just entrepreneurship in general. I remember
1: that because uh, I did a little uh, tip of the hat to you in my mind when I saw the Mediapreneur thing come out, and I was yep. like, yep, exactly, yep. buddy. And, exactly. and it's
0: funny because, but here's the interesting thing, and, and this is such a, such a side little topic here, but it's such an interesting one to me. Like, I have the same thought, right? Like, so if I was to go, let's say someone said, David, you have to go back and get to change something. What would you do, right? What would you do? And I always tell people, you know, I would love to be, much more specific when I started in 2008, you know, 2009, in there. Uh, but it took me years to get to that point to really figure it out and really figure out the business model and all those different things. And it's funny, though, because you, have, you have kind of said the same thing, but I'm wondering also, you know, because I'm telling people, I'm always trying to hammer home, you know, you got to get specific, you have to get on that audience, um, but I think the sooner they can figure that out, the better, for sure.
1: Absolutely, man. I've been beating that drum for years now, and it's a really hard thing to do because at the beginning, you just, you just want to make enough to survive, and you're thinking, mm. I would never turn down money. So it's counterintuitive, right? Because you have to turn people away in order to... Uh, you know, reduce your acquisition costs, which are key at the beginning of a new business to survive. So and the other thing that people don't really see is how easy it is to parlay an audience into a new brand because it's not really brands. It's relationships. Sure. So if all yep. of a sudden you want to start a new podcast, you know, most of us are going to come along for the ride. So that's not really the issue. Um, AdSense Flippers, Empire Flippers, it's just a 301 redirect away. Right. But had, they, had they started with Empire Flippers, it it would have doubled their acquisition costs and they might not be
0: alive to tell the story today. Oh. Love it. Love the story. So 2009, you come up with this podcast idea. I'm curious about um, kind of the, you know, the the first phase of kind of the foundation, right? Before we talk, I want to talk audience and we're going to talk business model too. But let's talk foundation for a minute. Um, You know, this was your first show, Correct. You, weren't, you, didn't yes. have, you don't have any kind of like you know, media background or anything like that. So Correct. how did you kind of develop it? And I'm curious, did you, did you get any help? Did you, you know, just say, you know what, I'm just going to figure out, I'm going to get the equipment and plug it in and damn it, you know what I mean? Somehow a show is going to come out of this. Like, how, yeah. how, how did you kind of get started there?
1: Equipment is a broad overstatement as to what we were working with, man. We were working with Logitech, USB headsets, okay. Audacity and uh, the ugliest WordPress theme you could possibly imagine. <laughs> and, and so it wasn't really a question of equipment. We were just slapping up shows and it was all about just sharing what it was that we were doing. I mean, people go back now and listen to our first 10 shows and they say, those shows are such an inspiration because you guys sounded like crap. You know, you guys sounded like you were scared. Everyone's you first show sucked. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think it's just a matter of doing whatever it takes to get that show out the door. And you have a uh, co-host, not- right? I, I do. He just interrupted me. He walked into the room here. His name is Ian. You're you're getting in my head, man. I can't can hardly think here. <laughs> ian has been my business partner since uh, day one. We started in '07 on San Diego Beach. We did the Tim Ferriss Dreamline thing where you sit down and you write out what you want, how much it's going to cost you, and how you're going to get there. And here we are, uh, six years later, still rocking.
0: Very cool. And it's now, basically like a marriage. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so sounds sexy. <laughs> um, is now curious in terms of your your content, right? For the show. Um, you know, you've been doing this for a while. Has your content evolved at all? Has it changed? Is it like do you have you always had a consistent format? Like what's the show itself kind of just for folks that ha- I, I've listened to it so I'm I'm asking this kind of rhetorically, but I'm saying uh, for folks that that are just kind of learning about this, what what where's that kind of been for you?
1: So we got a really tight format, which helps us to be creative, because um, it is intimidating to come up with a new show idea every seven days, which is what we what we do. We're on a schedule. Once a week, um, right? Yes, which was a really nice upgrade for us, by the way, and something a lot not, not a lot of media are doing. But we've got timing expectations with our audience. So Thursday morning, mm-hmm. Eastern standards uh, which I think is a nice little move for the audience that people look forward
0: to it. Hey, we have the same uh, morning, by the way. These go uh, out on Thursday morning too. It's a battle. No, not really. <laughs> Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, we've got like,
1: uh, a sched- like, basically a framework. Uh, we've got a little joke. We've got a little teaser. We've got a five-point center of the episode. We've got reviews, all kinds of stuff like that. So it, it really makes it easy for us we kind of think with a podcast really if you've got like five minutes in your head, it'll be five- 15 minutes recorded. So we just mm-hmm. kind of like get that five to 10 minutes out on a sheet of paper and uh, that's how we pump it out every week. Very cool. And what, what's the? Is there a typical length? Uh, for us, we try to do between twenty and thirty minutes. And I just want to say for people just getting started. Uh, over three years into it, we're still like we don't know if it's going to be a good show. We don't <laughs> right. know if, if it's good information. Sometimes I, there's this one show we put out. It's called The Tower of the Hustle. And I was like, man, I just sounded like a douche. Like I, I must have just said some really <laughs> dumb stuff. And and it was one of the. Like I think people appreciated that we kind of went out on a limb on some of this stuff and shared with some of our philosophies, which I felt really uncomfortable doing. So yeah, just every week, man. We never know if it's going to be good or not. Very so. cool.
0: Actually, uh, right off of that, um, I'm curious. You know, what were were there any shows that just like knocked it out of the park, like you just said? Um, you know, either by accident or on purpose, that you're like, oh man, people really just kind of loved. This type of content or something that you did?
1: There was one, I mean, some of the shows, there was one show we did, 134, called the SOP episode. And it it changed a lot of people's businesses because we were going through a big change ourselves. And we shared it in really structured detail in that program. It ended up being a long one. And it was so cool. We just had a conference. Speaking of business models, we had a conference last weekend, a couple weeks ago. And uh, a bunch of our members came with their updated business plan. Some of these guys have over 20 people working in their company. And they changed the way they ran their companies because of what they learned on that episode. So sometimes, you know, um, there's a big difference in power of content and popularity of content. And that's something that mm. I think is really important for, you know, would you rather have a, a blog post go, quote, viral and get 50 people in your, or 100 people on your mailing list or would you rather have somebody who owns a twenty-person business change the way they're living their lives because of your podcast? And and sometimes it's those powerful connections that can create a more powerful audience and business in the long run.
0: Yeah, and I think and, and that all comes down to not only creating great content but also being very clear on who's who it's for. You know, and, and that's what you guys have done because you know I've told people too. Would you rather have you know I'm I'm just making up the numbers here, but would you rather have you know, 5,000 listeners that sort of give a crap. You know what I mean? Like like they sort of give a crap, but like, you know what? If you're not there on Thursday morning, they're not really going to care that much. You know what I'm saying? They're going to move on with their day, right? Yeah. Or would you rather have 500 listeners that are like tattooing your face on their, <laughs> on their arm and listen and implement and they're changing either their lives, their business, their health, whatever it is, depending on your topic. I mean, I think I'd rather take the latter, wouldn't you?
1: Absolutely, man. We need power rankings for mediapreneurs. Like, uh, the most important blog post I ever wrote, hands down, has one Facebook like. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: but what ended up happening was 10 people joined my private mastermind because of that post. And Those people didn't care about whether they liked it on Facebook. But they wanted to solve real problems. And that's why people listen to content, because there's something deep within them that they want to address. And mashing like on Facebook isn't getting it there. So it's something to think about as you consider the kinds of things you're going to talk about and present and, and build for your audience is is what kind of depth of impact is it going to have?
0: Oh, that's such a good point. Such a good takeaway there. Now, I want to talk, Dan, with my, 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 you like my transition there? Now, I don't want to talk. Um, so <laughs> we're, we're going to talk um, two big topics that I want to discuss for sure, um, which are the core of every mediapreneur. Um, it's audience- Building basically, um, and also kind of monetization business model. You just mentioned like private mastermind and members. We're gonna get under understand that in a few kind of what you're talking about there. But let's let's start with audience uh, for a second here, right? Because um, it's one thing though. I mean, it also sucks when you have zero audience, which is what everyone starts with, myself included. Um, was- it, it, back into that, how did you get? Let me first question here. How did you get your first people into listen to the podcast? Love the hell out of those first people. So, a lot of people say, you know, I really
1: did podcast to like forty people, and like I think twelve of them were my mother downloading from different computers for (laughs) for six to twelve months. I mean, literally, like you know, we just had no traction podcasting. I don't know for whatever reason. Maybe it's I didn't want people to listen to it yet uh, because I was just still nervous about if it was even good. And and my whole message about that is, if it's not worth sending a message to forty people, then it's not a message worth sending. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was happy to speak to 40 people, that was 40 more people than I was speaking to beforehand. So, I think that's part of it, you know, everybody's sort of focused on this, well, if you get a thousand people to your website, and then 10% of them opt in, and all right, right, right. convert. If you're doing that math, it's a red flag central. And I, I love this, I was just talking to Benny Lewis, who is just fantastic at this kind of stuff uh, from Fluent in 3 Months, and he was saying, look, you can't funnel people. And a lot of media printers make this mistake, as if like... Um, you know, there didn't have any competition or the people who were listening to their stuff wasn't listening to somebody else's stuff. And I think that's part of what we were always focused on is we always wanted to have our message and we always wanted to have it be different and something unique for people. And in that sense, you know, talking to 40 people was better than talking to zero.
0: Right. And where did those first 40 come from? Were 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 they just, you know, friends and family? Was it just like, you know, people that randomly knew you? Like, where did those first 40 people come from? It must have been people like me, like those iTunes
1: deep diver junkies. You know, oh,
0: those- I say, Okay. Okay. Enthusiasts.
1: <laughs> I don- really don't know. I, re- I really didn't connect with the listeners much the first year. It was mostly just heads down. Um, still had no idea where the thing was going to go.
0: Okay. Interesting. And now though, but if you fast forward, now we're at a point where you've gotten hundreds of five-star reviews, millions of downloads. I mean, we're at, we're at a point now where there it's grown. So I'm curious though, without getting, you know, cause people see this and they get intimidated by those numbers, right? Like meaning like, Oh, I can never do that with my show or something like that. Right. But I want to hear what do you think has led to that at this point? Like, was there, was there, um, a tipping point? Was there, multiple tipping points was there something that you did that kind of doused fire on at a certain point or was it just that hey time took over like what how did we get from those sort of like first 40 to where we're at now
1: all right so uh, number one is i felt like that at the beginning too when i started a podcast in 2009 podcasting was dead right that's whatever right, what everybody- right. Uh, totally and- People, I remember people actually wrote blog posts about that and now podcasting is hotter than ever and people know how to use the medium hotter than ever and it's still not integrated into freaking dashboards and cars yet. So there's still tons of upside for podcasting. So definitely start one. Number two, it's time and consistency. And so how do you get that out of yourself? I think, you know, you got to have a real passion for it. If you're one of these people who's trying to podcast because you think you should podcast, you probably shouldn't podcast. You're screwed. Sorry. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, at the top of the show, you asked me why am I attracted to writing and podcasting. To me, it's kind of like, who is not attracted to writing and podcasting? These are fantastic ways to spend time. So for me, that's not a struggle. Lucky there. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing that we try to uh, tell people in their marketing is to to have integrity. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we're always just trying to be honest with our audience, being honest about what we've done with our business, about what our friends have done. We don't recommend stuff you know, lightly, um, so I think that's part of it. I think that, like, that was definitely missing. Like People were podcasting for themselves and not for their audience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It was weird, like, hey, bro, I know that you're just mentioning that because you have an affiliate deal with that dude, so why don't you just say that?
0: Right. And why don't you,
1: <laughs> don't you teach me about how you made an affiliate deal with that dude because that's how you're making your business. And whenever i would hear that i would get offended and here's the thing i didn't go to their blog and comment and say by the way guys i'm just really offended by the way that you treat your audience or that you're just giving me bs advice um i just didn't listen anymore yeah you disappear right exactly and so, and so i don't want that we call that like the silent majority you know we don't want to uh let our silent majority down and a lot of times the people, the most important members of your audience aren't the ones that are most vocal on social media. So I do think it's important not to get seduced by your commenters, your Facebookers, your, your tweeters and all that. I love those people because I am that person. I am a blogger. But a lot of the most powerful members of our community have really never said anything on our websites because they're busy running successful businesses. So that's something I've always tried to keep in mind is like Mm. meet those people in person, understand who they are and speak to them with integrity.
0: Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Now, in terms of getting out there though, you know, and and kind of growing, right? Like when you got in there, I mean, I understand of course, you know, word of mouth is gonna be critical for any kind of podcast, right? Did you go out there and do any specific promotional, and and this is more of a tactical thing. I I totally understand the the overall concept here of what you were saying um, with the audience, but anything... Tactical that work for you. Meaning, uh, did you go out there and you know speak everywhere? Did you go out there and uh, uh, do lots of guest blog posts? Did you go out there and you know be interviewed on a bunch of shows? Like, was there any kind of like promotional you know tactics that you used or since two thousand nine that worked well for you?
1: I can share a few tactics. So the first one is related to the strategy I brought up, which is um, have a super high lifetime value of a customer. Yeah. So. So that's this whole point that you talked about at the top of the show, which is focusing in on your audience. If the lifetime value of each one of your uh, conversions, so to speak, your customers, is $1,000, you're in great shape because you don't need a big audience. And then that small audience is going to cash flow your promotional efforts. So that's first out of the gate. If you need a big
0: audience to make money, you're screwed. Oh, yeah, Oh, dude, that is, that's a great... I couldn't agree more. Keep going on that.
1: <laughs> Number two... I have a in my standard operating procedure documents, which is something that's absolutely changed my business. So, that was episode 134 of the Lifestyle Business Podcast. We standardized our entire business, right? Work on it, not in it, kind of thing. And one of our lines in our SOP for our podcast says, if, you met, if Dan mentions somebody on a show and you don't deep link into a post of theirs, a kitten dies. So, the idea <laughs> is, is everybody gets backlink when we mention you. Anytime I say Benny Lewis, like, my podcast editor goes and finds Benny Lewis's best blog posts, and he pings them. So that's a nice, I mean, it's one of those things that's not a big deal, but over the course of 150 episodes, no, those add not, up. not so bad. Um, and, and again, you're reaching out to people who have the power to sort of pass it on. One other thing I got to mention that's tactical that I was just a dummy and involved in is I did this thing called the Summer Marketing Mashup with Internet Business Mastery, Pat Flynn, and Tim Conley from Foolish Adventure. Okay. And what we did... We did, like, roundtables on each other's shows every other week. Oh, great and, idea. And uh, that was just massively... Oh, that's a uh, brilliant
0: idea. So you just, you just would go on because then it's like, hey, I'm in you to your, my audience, you me to my... Whatever, you know what I mean. <laughs> Everyone's introducing each other, okay? Because, like, a lot of times, you know, you think the cheapest...
1: Leads to acquire are always the ones that are sort of the closest to you, the most ready at hand. So a lot of us want to like go and find the untapped lead source. The tapped lead source is the best one, right? Someone listens to my show is way more likely to listen to your show than someone who doesn't even listen to podcasts. Right. So
0: right, that's that's a great point. And and now and that leads a perfect kind of transition to this topic that of you know making the bling bling of the monetization strategy. Um, because you know you mentioned early on, or I'm mean, sorry, on, a minute ago, <laughs> not early on, a minute ago, uh, about kind of the customer acquisition and how um, the idea of hopefully that there's a high lifetime value of a customer, right? Um, because again, if you're going for big and broad, it's gonna be very difficult you know, to very have deep. success in the space, especially because it's so crowded and just there's many, many reasons why we don't need to go into all 150 of them right now. It's better to be specific. So here's my first question when it comes to monetization. Um, When did you first start thinking about it? Was it a case of like, because when you mentioned it, when you said you started your show, you know, the chicken and the egg talk that I've had a lot of times on the show about, hey, did you start with a business idea model for the show or or your platform? Did you start with, hey, let's just build the audience and have some fun with this and whatever? It seems like you are more in the, let's just get some experience. Let's do this. I want to do it type thing. And then at some point, though, you you figured out a, a bit of a business model here. What was that point? well so i did toy
1: around with a lot of things this is tricky because a lot of times people run off and build the wrong audience there's two elements to it there's there's a lot of things that are no-brainers right if you write about uh business expat taxation and you put up a great radio program about that you're going to crush it yeah I mean, end of the day so A lot of times people make it difficult on themselves by choosing just lame dog niches. I mean, if you focus in on people who care to spend money on things, then you're going to be good. The second thing that a lot of people don't consider is what people think of you, because a lot of times what people will do is they'll get into an okay niche, but they'll sort of position themselves poorly. Um, So... It does matter. Again, you do have competition. There are a lot of people doing similar things. So it does matter what people think of you and your level of expertise and the types of things that you're doing. So, another thing to, to consider.
0: What do you mean by, by the way, real quick, what do you mean by kind of they do it wrong there? Like, what do you, Like what's an example of that?
1: So, an example would be somebody who is in the business coaching niche but uh, doesn't have any expertise teaching people how to grow businesses. Yep and doesn't have any business success. Got it, it's works. a
0: six-figure blogger teaching six-figure, how to create a six-figure blog when their blog's making zero dollars. got it. got it. Nailed it. And, and people try to pull this off and, and a lot of times they do have a lot to offer,
1: but it's a very difficult sell given that people are comparing you with other people. So it's not a great positioning. Got it. So I see that a lot. Um, but yeah, so what was the other question?
0: Uh, no, <laughs> we were just kind of talking about what, like, at what point you know, in your podcast or in your you know mediapreneur journey here, right? You started two thousand nine. At what point were you saying, you know what? God, there, there there's a monetization opportunity here, and I'm just curious about your journey with that. Like I had a crazy monetization journey of figuring this out. You know, still figuring it out, by the way. You know, Not, like we've been very successful, but I'm saying still still figuring it out. And I'm curious about where you started thinking about it and kind of where that direction went. Yeah, congrats on that, by the way. Wait. Thank you. To the hustle. Uh, you know, I guess I, I'm, it was very similar. Like,
1: I, and again, we're still grasping at straws with that one. Um, I was very hesitant at a lot of the models out there. I tried coaching seminars and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, they went well, they were profitable, but I didn't l- enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what. What other business do you have that kind of lateral freedom? That's what I love about these audience-based businesses is that I said, you know what? Okay, fine. We totally chopped off a $80,000 a year revenue stream that was just getting started. Um, and because we decided, you know what? We can do other stuff with this audience. So, uh, you know, we try to sell our back catalog and do affiliate marketing. and eh, Like even a big show like ours, you're not going to move that much product. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not that useful. And plus, you're going to burn people out on it. So I don't like that model. Okay. Uh, Pat Flynn can have at it, I'm sure. You know, That guy's a, of a whole different class and character. So it, a lot of people look up to guys like that and say, I'm going to sell you know, Bluehost or I'm going to sell, you know, people are going to click through to my Lead Bright thing. And that's awesome, but that's going to just keep the lights on. It's not really going to be your business model. Nine times out of
0: ten. Right. And it's Pat Flynn, and I think it's just because he's got these great sweater vests. He's been wearing like, so many sweater vests lately. I, I really think that. that's the single-handed reason for success. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> The guy's absolutely fantastic. So,
1: um, yeah, for us, you know, we were just thinking about something that's in line with our values, something unique that we can provide. And we kind of stumbled onto this idea of, hey, we go around and we meet people all the time. How about we facilitate networking amongst people? Um, and that's something that uniquely we can do. And so that's what ended up working out for us.
0: Okay, cool. Now, I want to dive into this. Now, first of all, you made one of the greatest points in the Rise to Top show history uh, okay. by accident. Um, <laughs> no, no, it was one purpose. But it was, it, it, first of all, I, I wanted, if I could reach through the computer screen and give you a hug and a kiss at this moment, I would. It was, it was the whole idea of that there's many different ways that you can monetize, right? There's many different ways. There's, there's a million models and in many cases, right? For a platform I'm talking about. Um, they all work, right? Like they all quote unquote work. Like, and if you talk to anyone that's successful in any of the models out there, creating software, coaching, um, doing events, whatever like that, they will talk to you as if it's a religion, right? Mm-hmm. They will say, This is the way to do it, right? There's many, many different ways to do it. But the key is, which ones do you feel comfortable with that you feel are going to be you know because they all work do you know what I'm saying so why not have one that you love that you you know you know what I'm saying that you're excited about to sell or whatever it might be as opposed to feeling like you're like giving that kinda of ooh feeling like if you got that ooh feeling that's probably just means you've chosen the wrong monetization strategy at this point
1: I gotta hug you back man this is this is exactly it because if you feel even the little bit ooh about this stuff your audience is gonna sniff it on you and you're gonna lose their trust exactly Lateral mobility. As long as people trust you, why is Dan? Why is David taking me here? Why is he telling me this stuff? Why is he wasting my time? If you don't have a good answer for that every single time, you're screwed. And so that to me is integrity, and that to me is kicking the can down the road, so to speak. Which is to say that you can't extract every dollar from your audience all the time. Right. You know, you kick that can down the road a little bit um, and continue to introduce them to. Id- for example, if you don't have the best idea about things. How about refer your audience to the guy who does have the best idea? If you want to know about affiliate marketing, please talk to Pat Flynn. Don't don't listen to me uh, chomp on about it for the next 30 minutes. And people with audiences do this kind of stuff. You know, it's like if somebody out there is better than you, you owe it to people to pass them along. And that to me is just fundamental integrity. And if you lose people's trust in a world where they've got infinite options, then you'll lose your freedom to to, uh, do new things with the audience. So in our case, yeah, I do feel that fundamental freedom where we're serving them first, And that does mean deferring income in the short term. But over the long term, it means a really exciting way to run a business.
0: Yeah, because you don't want to use that word, which you just said, right? And it was a purposeful word there, extract, right? Like that just feels wrong, right? Like you're trying to extract as opposed to help or, you know, sell something awesome. Now, I'm curious, Dan, because I want to talk about for a few minutes here about the kind of the actual group and what's going on with that and how that works. Uh, But I'm curious real quickly as well. Some people are... What's the, what's the best term here? A little afraid or a little nervous or looking for something concrete in terms of they're saying, you know what? When do I start to turn on that monetization fuse, right? Or like, when do I start dripping the faucet there to try to figure it out? And I've seen everything from, you know, someone being very concrete and be like, I wanted, you know, X amount of subscribers and then I was going to try something, all the way to, you know what? I, I have a gut. I just want to go with it and you know, I gotta figure out how to make some money and, and we gotta figure out how, to, how we can turn this into a business. So I just decided, hey, let's go for it. And I've seen everything in between. I'm curious with you, what was, was there a moment where you're like, you know what, I think we should kinda start to think monetization here?
1: You know, it's interesting because monetization is so tightly correlated with action. Like, can you inspire people to do things? So the first few things that we started doing was I started meeting people for coffee. That was a little mm. thing, and I to see who these people were. That, oh, this guy isn't the same guy that's talking crap on Facebook or the same guy that's retweeting. This is some guy, and he's got this set of issues. I started thinking more and more, and then we started throwing parties, um, and, and 20 people would show up. And at the time, you know, we only had 500 subscribers or something, so it wasn't really even – it was interesting, 500 subscribers, but 20 people at a party. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I guess you know, my advice would be see what you can do as soon as possible. I mean, you know, we call it uh, Tim Conley and I joke around and say it's pay now podcasting. You know, maybe you could have a a consulting phone call for two hundred dollars that includes some worksheets right out of the gate. See if your audience trusts you to that level. Or maybe you could just have a free Google Hangout every two weeks. And if you really care about helping your audience, maybe you'll just them for free for a few months. Start to get an idea of what people want and need. I mean, at the end of the day, it's really about relationships and engaging with people as much as you can. If you're thinking. Oh, fifty thousand subscribers funnels down to X amount funnels down to X amount. Well, you know that's tough. That's expensive, like you said, and that that's not really the game that that I'm capable of playing in at this level. And I've been in it for three years.
0: Right. Sooner than later, though, bottom line, uh, sooner than later is a good thing. So let's get back to what you figured out, and I I love how you kind of took us a little bit on the, down that journey of saying, okay, you know, we tried this, even was successful by by you know revenue standpoint, but you're like, you know what, nah. You know, you know, you're starting to get a feeling. You're like, you know what? Let's go up with this networking concept. Tell us, kind of like, what what is that? What's that morphed into? And and kind of why you like it so much.
1: Well, I, I had a very difficult time coaching people because I couldn't control the outcomes well enough, and um, it's very difficult teaching people because you have to meet them halfway, um, and it, it doesn't scale as well. Whereas instructing, you can sort of. Do your best research, find the best information, and then publish it to a broad range of people and sort of let it attract the people who it, who it attracts. Um, so, so that's why the sort of coaching thing didn't quite play for mm-hmm. me. Although it's awesome, it's an awesome model, but it just it didn't play out for me. So um, I started doing these things where I was having these mastermind phone calls. And I was like, man, getting on the phone every week with these guys is like crushing it for my business. you know? Because they, you know, I say like my PPC campaign sucks, and they just say, hey, I got a PPC guy. And it was, like, it was like these trusted contacts. I found that I was making so much progress by talking to my peers. And so I thought, well, maybe I could start to facilitate these phone calls for other people because there's only like eight of us. So maybe if I made like another pod of eight more people mm-hmm. and then I would, Started doing that. I started doing that, and I said, "Well, why don't we just have a party together, and I'll meet each other in person, and drink beer together, and learn each other's secrets, and then we'll really be friends, and and sort of uh, really grow our businesses." And and that happened. And then at the time, by the time we got a hundred people involved, I said, "You know what? I'm just going to start charging for this." And part of it was, is you know, now I have two employees running that group, and it was just a matter of you know, we got to fund. Wanted to keep the lights on we got to keep it profitable enough for us to stay interested and i also think it's a bit of a barrier to entry to ensure that the types of people that we're looking to attract uh come about and again look if that didn't work out we could have done a bunch of other things too so you know i don't have any magic bullet answers except every day in the game doing your thing and and keeping uh your audience in mind first
0: yeah no that that, that's a great point and and you know you yeah it's that it's the blend of you know what you want to do, right, meaning like what you feel comfortable selling people and my you know in that route, and obviously what people want <laughs> you know because if so, it's something that you really want to sell, but they don't want it, that's a whole other problem
1: you know let me do something once really specific and tactical, and this is sort of along the lines of focus it's like an extra layer, and it's not always true, but not a lot of people say it, so no matter what you're doing, never focus on beginners because beginners oh, are okay cash flows. What you want to do as, a, as somebody who's an impresario of an audience or whatever, is you want to focus on people who are committed, who have skin in the game. They'll be better customers. They're already used to buying things like your thing. It's the same thing we were saying with podcast audiences, right? They're already used to subscribing to iTunes. They're already used to consuming audio content. So don't reinvent the wheel. With beginners, unfortunately, you are reinventing the wheel and they're not even, generally, they'll have a difficult time seeing ROI. When you start out in media entrepreneurship, it's a very seductive path to go down to teach beginners, the people that are just behind you, the people that you know a little bit more than, Uh, a lot of internet marketing gurus who don't know anything, I'll tell you to do that because that's how they they make their money, but I think what I'm seeing out there is the people that have the really long-term sustainable businesses and they're really happy with their customers because their customers are as dedicated as they are. So if you're just getting started, think about ways that you could aim up. If you start an accounting show, you don't need to be the guy who knows everything about accounting. You just need to be the guy who goes out or gal and gets the best answers. And then maybe you have a high level service that caters to business owners and not just people who are making their first spreadsheet.
0: Oh, this is such a good point. I want to stick on this for a minute here, for sure. For sure. And by the way, I said we were going to go 30 minutes. I lied. So we're going to go, ha, we're going to go over. Um, is, is, uh, uh, this is such a good point because you're right. There's, there's this kind of, and I'm putting this in air quotes, typical internet marketing advice that I don't particularly love either, um, saying that, you know what, the biggest market is always beginners, right? Yeah. That, that's like, that I've heard that from multiple people. I can give exact quotes. I'm not going to tell you who they were, but it's pretty much everyone in that space. Um, yeah. th- then you have, you know, I was at uh, a mastermind in person with, with, you know, some good friends, um, you know, a few weeks ago, and we were talking about how many of them, their I don't want to say it was a frustration, but well, yeah, a little bit of frustration is that they wanted to focus more on higher level people. They did yeah. not want to focus on the beginners, you know? Um, and we had a lot of conversation about that. And I'm curious about your opinion, Dan. I get it. Why you don't want... I, get, I totally understand. Um, but how perhaps... Is that more come down to your positioning? Does it come down to your marketing? Does it come down to, you know, your site to sort of for lack of a better term, avoid that market, you know what I mean? So that you can tell people very quickly, hey, this is some high level shiznit here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <You> <laughs> exactly to-
0: like that, and you have to use the word shiznit. <laughs> I-, I think a lot of it has to
1: do with, with fear. You know, it's a lot easier to market to beginners. Um, it's a lot easier to take the advice of these internet marketing gurus. So few people like really drill down and like see what these people are doing. Uh, part of it is it's a lot easier to be this like, kind of dominant, all-knowing Like I, I don't envy these internet marketer guys who have to know the best marketing technique. It's like, well, have fun with that, bro. That's not a real sustainable strategy, is it? I mean, it's a lot better to be no, it the, pack, sucks. the honest type uh, who, who's saying, you know what? Like Here's what I did. I think it's working. Um, but you can look at the other guys too, and I don't know everything. I'm just one guy out here. That's all we all are. Mm-hmm. So I, that, I see that as a more sustainable strategy. Couple that with how do you target more advanced people? I mean, I think you have to take on the hard challenges with your content. I mean, are you really solving problems with your content for people that they have? That's tough to do, man. That's hard work. It's a lot easier just to just to drop a sort of a here's the top ten productivity tips drop, you know blog post that. Isn't that generally useful? Like I said, like, you know, you could write, I wrote one, one um, blog post called uh, The Difference Between, like, I've written productivity posts, which people are like, yeah, I'll maybe share that on Facebook, versus a post I wrote called Five Reasons You Should Start Your E-Commerce Business in Hong Kong Even If uh, You're Based in the United States. Now, how many people are going to care about that article? Like, a hundred. Yeah,
0: but those but, people are going to freaking get they're going to stop what they're doing <laughs> shut down everything and read that article and that's the only thing that matters there
1: question I could start a business off of the back of that blog article and that's why you know starting a blog is so important, first off, but also doing the hard work with your blog. It wasn't easy for me to write that article or to expose some of that information, but because I did, it helped people move forward in their lives and all of a sudden people are like, you know, what's the best hotel to stay at when I'm in Hong Kong? What agent should I go to? Can I, do you have an accounting firm? You could, well, I could be the accounting firm now, right? I could have 15 clients and it could be off and running, living anywhere I want in business because of that blog post. Right. That's the focus, positioning and focusing on expert level or advanced level topics so um, look it's not that hard to help people get set up in hong kong it would take you maybe a couple weeks worth of research and hard hard work why don't you do that because the people that want to do that they want to get on an airplane they're running a business they're gonna move there tomorrow so those are the kinds of customers that you want and i think what i've seen too is you hear all this like faux lament from these internet marketer guys, like, "Oh, my customers don't take my advice," and "Oh, my customers... and it's like, Gu- "Guys, come on!
0: You chose your customers, right? You chose who they're going to be." Yeah, the, the, it's a great point. And by the way, I was thinking about whether I wanted to share this or not, but I'm I'm going to anyway. So, ha. Uh, was that I was thinking about this because you know uh, this really hits home personally for me in a lot of cases with our audience because I have uh, like a new course that that's uh, out uh, in May. Um, called Create Awesome Online Courses. And it's a course on, (laughs) as you guessed, Dan, creating courses, right? Um, And what's funny about it is that for the system to work for folks, they have to have a platform and some kind of audience, Yes. Okay. I mean, like, it doesn't mean that you have to have 20,000 people. I, I, I don't care. You have to have some kind of audience, some kind of established platform. Okay. And what was interesting is that I sent a couple email of out, emails out, and guys that are listening to this know this. So it's not surprised surprise to everyone that, that is on this list. Is that I kind of sent out an email where I was just very, just 100% straight up with people and saying, listen, I know some of you guys might not be at this level yet, and that's okay. Do you know what I mean? But this isn't going to be for you and I'm not going to shove it down your throat. Absolutely. And I had to do it. And it it was was like, you know, I guarantee you if I told that kind of what I said to some of those quote-unquote gurus, which I hate that word, um, they would not only when I say like I hate that word, but they would say, you know, oh no, you gotta sell something to the beginners. There's always people that don't have a, you know, know, for example, I would hear from people saying, Dan, you know, well, I don't have a platform or I don't have any subscribers. I don't have an audience and fan base. And I'm just straight up honest being like, well, this isn't the product for you. Do you know what I mean? Sorry. So I can give a, there's a a mathematical reason for it, which is
1: you can't be wasting your time on, on bad customers at the beginning of a new business. Because if your course is going to be successful, you need to have a great batch of first customers that are going to see ROI on your product, that are going to pass it along to others, and that are going to be great case studies for it. So, and those are the people that are going to help you evolve the product and rather than drag your time out. So, say I become a customer, I'm going to be saying, David, man, you know what? This is a great system. Can your team implement it for me? How about you guys just interview me for five hours and then I pay you $5,000 and you launch the course for me? Because right. I'll make my money back. So, that to me is the kind of customer that you want rather than the person who's saying, you know what? Ah, uh, you know, uh, I've been, you know, I have a dance class on Wednesday nights, and I didn't really get a chance right. to implement. It. You think you give me reef? It's like, come on, man, I can't handle this. So, right, and
0: it, yeah, and maxing out three credit cards and stuff like that—it's just not what we want. You know what I'm saying?
1: And eventually, I mean, this stuff. This is the great thing about audience. Like, you, there's so many ways to to to, to slice the skin the cat, so to speak. Look at what Clay Collins did with LeadBright. Now, yep. all of a sudden, you could be—I don't see any reason why you're not in the core software business two and a half years from now, if. Your first set of customers is great and helps you evolve cash flow, the idea, understand the marketplace better. And yeah, you could be the freaking course dominator in two and a half years. No question.
0: Dan, you're spoiling what I've been thinking about. No, I I totally totally get what you're saying. And I think this is a great takeaway. Just not, I was using a personal example there. um, But I totally agree with you, by the way. And that's, that's definitely something that's been thought about in the works. But that is a great lesson for folks here that I know that are listening to the show because I know some some folks have been very frustrated with their what I would call beginner market you know yeah. um, and, and it's fine and they're not bad people they're not horrible if we have them over for dinner you know they're not gonna punch you in the face and throw your food around but you know when it comes to running a business they could be a very tricky market to serve um, and very kind of uh, for lack of a better term again needy so you know here here's a mathematical way to look at it the smaller you are
1: the better customers you have to have, the more profitable your customers need to be. So you need to ask yourself, what's the top of the food chain? We always did this in our product companies. I don't make low-end cat furniture. The cheapest piece of cat furniture (laughs) I have is, well, our first piece of cat furniture was $197 for a piece of cat furniture. And the reason is, is like when you look at it, if you want your cat furniture to go into Walmart, if Walmart gave me a PO, I quite literally could not afford it. And it's the same thing with podcasting. You can't go out there and compete with Mixergy or whatever it is, the top podcast in your space, if you don't have resources. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is at the beginning, you need to cash flow with the top end customers. So look to the top of the market. If you're going to start an accounting podcast, ask yourself, who pays the most for accounting services? How can I serve them better? Because they're going to be the ones that are going to be willing to fund unique products, unique services, or uh, my consulting.
0: I love it. I love it, Dan. So you know, we got, we're going to wrap it up because I got to tell you right now, this conversation, we could go on all day for five days for 10 days, for 20 days. And I, I got to tell you, I got to be honest, I want to have you back because I, I love this and I think our audience is going to absolutely love it. I know they are um, because this is such a cool conversation. I know there's so many other things we could talk about. So I want you, I want you to let me know. You'll come back, right? We'll, we'll bring you back on. Does that sound good too?
1: Yeah, I just want people to understand I'm just spitballing here. Like this is just what I would do if we we're sitting around having a beer, like maybe talking strategy. So I have no idea what your plans are, what's going on, and I don't know if the, any of this stuff works. It's just an, a way to think about things that could inspire you to take a different sort of action, and that's sort of, that's the idea. So, and, and that's what I, I
0: love about it. That's what I love about it. It's like, having, it's like having, a, having a brewski, you know, with Dan, but you don't have to fly to where are you at Vietnam. Right, it's a bit of a long haul. Exactly, we don't have to schlep over there, so that's good. So Dan, uh, as, as we wrap up here, man, uh, I want to make sure that I, I give links for people to check too. Obviously, I'm going to put them in the show notes and stuff like that too. Um, they can check out the podcast at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com, even though Dan's not in love with that name. Um, we are going to go. Uh, you can also check out tropicalmba.com. Any other specific places we want to show people where where they should go, or uh, any anywhere you want to direct them, Dan?
1: Yeah, sure. If you guys want to see uh, the first business that I started, a lot of people that follow our show are interested in things like e-commerce and product development. So a lot of people that end up saying, "Well, why would I listen to Dan and not all these other guys?" Well, maybe it's because of our e-commerce stuff. So you could check out moderncatdesigns.com and uh, theportablebarcompany.com.
0: Okay, let me write those down. I have to like stop here so I don't forget. So I go back, and then I forget, and I say I'm going to link it up, and then there's no links. So uh, we're going to have those up there. Uh, Dan, always great, my man, and and thank you again. We had a huge time difference in this, so we're having like completely different time zones right now, which is a blast. Um, but I've got them all ready to go, and Dan, thanks so much, man. We'll talk soon, okay? Cheers, David. I uh, Very much appreciate the opportunity. Anytime. All right, my friend. So you can see why I was so excited about that. That I mean, Dan is such a such a cool guy. We could have gone on for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, but you know we had to cut it somewhere. So I want to thank him so much for coming on again. Lifestyle Business Podcast. The best way to track him down. Again, if you're interested in the courses, we've got it coming out now. It's 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 this. I'm very excited about this. So again, if you're this is an advanced course, do you know what I mean? So it's not for people that are just getting started. This is for folks that have an audience, have a podcast, have a web show, have a blog, one of those. You don't have to have all of them, obviously. Uh, some kind of online platform. And you're looking to take what you already know and turn it into a course, sell it to people, sell it 24-7. Um, that's what it's all about. So uh, head over to riseupcom courses, enter your email. If you're loving interviews like this, not liking, you're loving interviews like this and you want more, come into your inbox. Every Thursday I've got an interview for you. And every Monday I've got a, a short tip on, you know, building an online platform, growing your audience, making money, all that kind of good stuff, doing it the right way. Uh, just enter your email at therizetop.com VIP or of course in the show notes as well. You'll see a sign up form for that. And again, final shout out to our good friends at GoToMeeting. I want to thank them so much for their support and keeping the Rise Top completely free and delicious for you guys so 45-day free trial join a meeting start a meeting from anywhere using your computer smartphone tablet you know you can use anything except I think an abacus to start your meeting so the slash go to meeting 45-day free trial so I will see you next time I'm David Seth Garland and remember if you want some fluff you know what to do go pet a bunny